Welcome to the Posters in Every Direction podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Mike. And I'm Erica. And on this show, we discuss concert posters, music with a heavy emphasis on the Dave Matthews Band, artists, and the community of poster and merch collecting. So whether you are new to this hobby or a seasoned professional, we invite you to come and relax now and join us in the space between music and art. This is episode 19 of the Posters in Every Direction podcast, entitled, And As You Go, I'll Spread My Wings. This is going to be a poster review episode where Erica and I take a deep dive into the Dave Matthews Band poster from their August 26th, 2023 show at Five Point Amphitheater in Irvine, California. Mm -hmm. And we actually have this piece in front of us that we are reviewing today. Um, We are very fortunate through a poster buddy Mm -hmm. to be able to pick this one up from the show. Yep. Uh, This was by a pretty prolific artist now in the poster scene named Daniel Danger. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're familiar with his work, we've actually talked about one of his pieces on the podcast before. So if you're interested, go back and check out episode number five entitled The Stone, where Daniel did um, one of the song series for the Dave Matthews Mm -hmm. Band for the song The Stone. Absolutely. Uh, And that's a really epic piece, too. This one, though, show-specific, released at the show in two versions. Mm -hmm. We are looking at the standard edition, Moonlight, it's called. It's sort of a blue colorway. Yep. Uh, And there were 1,085 of these made Mm -hmm. at the show. There was a subsequent artist drop. I'd like to touch on Daniel Danger's um, amazingness in the artist drop (laughs) down the road in the podcast. For sure. um, There's also a variant that was called Sunrise Mm -hmm. that was the same image done in different inks uh, to, to look... Fiery orange, more of like day-night versus, you know... Yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. So this one's kind of like the nighttime piece. Mm-hmm. Again, that was the standard edition. Openly my preferred out of the two, but mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the color blue, so that makes sense. Yep. Um, but the fiery one is really cool, too. It a little is. bit eerie. We'll talk about that, too. But yeah. uh, Daniel has done some incredible pieces. We actually are fortunate... To own a few of his pieces, not just for the Dave Matthews Band. We yep. actually own one for another band, one of Erica's favorites, my <laughs> one of my new favorites. Goose. Goose from the, uh, there were a, a two-night stand in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Daniel did back-to-back shows. And, and it's this floating pirate ship. It's just so badass. Yeah. I was able to get one of the two. Mm-hmm. And we were like, that's probably enough. We maybe <laughs> don't need, we weren't at the show. We don't need both pirate ships. We got one. That's right. Of the foil variant. Maybe we'll do a, a review of that in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought I would start out just with a little bit of background from, from Daniel Danger's website. You can find him on tinymediaempire.com. Mm-hmm. And the bio that he has there uh, says that Daniel Danger is an illustrator and printmaker mm-hmm. living in the woods of Massachusetts. The son of a middle school art teacher and a professional potter, he was probably never going to be an accountant. <laughs> uh, his explanation of his own work is borderline nonsense and involves overlapping timelines, references to Sierra, point-and-click adventure games, uh, number stations in the desert, oscillating whispered conversations, the death of ghosts at the hands of foliage, giant trauma shadow beings born of kidnapped children that drip wolf shadows, and 1920s children books. That's a mouthful. Um, It says he is the 
Lost Boy King of Ghost Island, and a broken-brained hoarder of vintage music gear, old toy ambulances, and bad uh, hardcore records. <laughs> Him and his wife have a dog named after noted character actor Toby Huss. Daniel plays or has played in the following bands, and it lists a number yep. of bands here that he has played in. Mm -hmm. It also lists his clients mm -hmm. and projects, which are quite extensive. Yep. I've been aware of Daniel's work since as far back as like 2012. He's done things um, quite frequently with San Diego Comic-Con appearances. Mm -hmm. And I had seen some of his stuff pop up there. And we just recently discovered going back through that, yeah. um, that he actually did some really cool pieces for Game of Thrones, which yes. is one of my all-time favorite novel series and and television series. Mm -hmm. yeah. So now I've got to go chase down some Daniel Danger Game of Thrones pieces. <laughs> uh, this this thing just keeps on getting better. <laughs> um, but with that said, let me also just talk briefly about Daniel's history with the Dave Matthews Band. Yep. Uh, this doesn't come directly from his website, but through some independent research. Um, Daniel came on the scene, I would say, in the poster game for the Dave Matthews Band. Right. He's done them for other bands. He's done other work. But with the Dave Matthews community... Yep. Um, he came, I would just say, loud, and I'm here to be different and give you something fresh Absolutely. and new um, in 2022 yeah. when he uh, provided or premiered the, the piece for the night two uh, at Noblesville, yeah. um, which is in Indiana. Um, and that's, mm -hmm. a, that's usually a, a multi-day, two-night two yep. stand. It's very popular amongst the Dave Matthews Band fan, and it is one of those venues mm -hmm. that they typically have front and center, like a really incredible artist. Prolific artist, yeah. For the posters yep. this year, um, it was James James Flames on one night, and Maza. was it Jim Maz on another? Mm -hmm. So you've got these heavy hitter poster artists right. that come in, and Daniel Danger comes in just as experienced and as well known in. General poster yep, community, but not, not, but not to the Dave, Dave Matthews, right? That's right, yep. And he shows up with this piece that is this sort of like train wreck, literally a train wreck yep. with this crazy smoke and this dilapidated uh, courthouse, I believe it is, in the background. It gives this real sort of, you know, just on the brink of apocalypse or post-apocalyptic yeah. feel or something. Like in this dystopian world that we're, you know, seeing through this different lens. That's right. And yeah. I would say today... Still sitting here, mm -hmm. um, this Noblesville piece is one of those highly sought it after is. posters. Yeah, in in the community, people might refer to it as a grail, a grail. piece. Mm -hmm. Yep. Then later that same tour at the Gorge for another multi night stand, and we do happen to own this one, and maybe we, we look at this down the line. Mm -hmm. uh, he did night two of the Gorge in 2022 with yeah. this sort of like horse weather vane again. Yep. Um, some dilapidated buildings in the back. It is this. Daniel Danger trademark, I think, mm -hmm. to, as he kind of said in his bio, yeah. look at these strange side of things or this ghost-like side of things. This, mm -hmm. is there beauty uh, yes. post-destruction, post yep. post-dilapidation? Uh, yeah. I'm, that's what I take from it. Well, and his we talked really different. in depth about it on the stone piece because when, when we really sat with this piece, you know, when you first glanced at it, it, it could be incredibly sad. Um, but it, it has this, like you said, this, this beauty beyond what we, I think as society consider beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, and it has this just sense of, of hope, um, mm -hmm. to it. 
and and just you know again you want to go back to listen to that episode because the back of the poster is just as freaking cool as the front of the poster that's right that's we right. did we did some serious uh sleuthing sleuthing that <laughs> That sleuthing on that one. So, anyways, um, but this this particular piece is his third of the venue series, like show edition. Right. So he he did the Dave Matthews mm-hmm. Band song series, the, yep, Stone. the Stone. That was the most recent. Yeah. But before that, he had done two others: the Noblesville, yep. the Gorge. Gorge. So this is his third entry yep. in a show edition poster. Mm-hmm. This one was for Irvine, California. Yes. And um, the piece is spectacular. Let me just say that. I, As far as favorites go for the tour, spoiler alert, Eric and I are going to select <laughs> our favorites from the tour. Spoiler alert, if you're a listener, I'm spoiling this for you in the future episode. This is one of my favorites, yeah. one of my top three of the tour. I have three. Yes, this is. is one of the top three of the tour <laughs> because I saw it yep. and immediately I was drawn to it. I mean, I love Daniel Danger's work, so that's already... You know, check that box, okay. But for each artist, as they come out with a new piece, to me, it's interesting to see, is the artist going to stay to their sort of meat and potatoes? Yeah. What I would say, meat and mm-hmm. potatoes, is that fair? What they're really kind of like known for is just going to be sort of another image of a building falling down or, you know, a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Or Think of all the buildings in California. You, you know, Daniel could have had a field day with this. In sort of an office building dilapidated, you know, or old Hollywood sign. That, that's a hint, brilliant hint, nod, nod, wink, wink, maybe. But what? But my point is, yes. he could have gone that yeah, way, which is almost sure. like predictable. Yep. And in my opinion, Daniel pushed himself yeah, beyond, beyond his traditional, at least what we've seen in the first few entries for the mm-hmm. Dave Matthews Band. Yes. He's not done the interior of a building like he did with the stone. Right. He didn't do this sort of like exterior wide shot of yeah. a train wreck in a building or a, a weather vane atop a building. No. Instead, he chose an island, a very nature-centric piece. A lot of emptiness, but he filled that space with just the beauty of nature, the way that the heaven meets the earth, the, the coastline, yep. the reflections in the water, the moonlight... Yep. Um, are these waves crashing mm-hmm. across the way, or is it some type of fire that's happening? You know, maybe in the eye of the beholder with these shooting stars that yep. are at the top of the piece. Yep. Um, and then very, very subtly at the bottom, Erica and I talk about the name of the band and how it's print. Um, we see the Dave Matthews band name sort of blended in. You have to look for it a little bit. It, 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 this piece in and of itself to me is like looking... You know, through a window at the outside uh, that really kind of captures this beautiful moment of natural beauty. Mm-hmm. Eric has done a lot more research as to the location of this yeah. piece, the, the history, the history yeah. how it ties to Irvine, California. So yeah. I'm going to stop talking now and let <laughs> Erica go do some deep dive well, into You were the starting history. to get into the piece and I was like, wait, right. let me, let me right. just no, back I don't want to it steal up your here. No, no, no thunder stealing. But, no thunder but, stealing, but, but, but perspective is. and, and to be able to understand a little bit behind the curtain. So we, we've said this before. I've said it, Mike said it. Sometimes pieces are tied directly to the location, the venue, right? So we saw like the NC Winters from the Gorge this year. It was literally the Gorge. Yeah, there's a little and there's a little characterization, gorge, characterization of it. Gorge down below. A lot of other locations, the Pittsburgh one with the Fort Pitt Tunnel Bridge, yes. and so you know we've talked about that. And sometimes there's no connection. 
seemingly no connection, just a beautiful image or whatnot. This one, when, when Daniel Danger posted his um, story about it on his Instagram, again, it, it takes us out of speculation of, I wonder what this is, and let's talk about where we think this is, and who could this be. When I first saw this image, and then I read what Daniel Danger wrote about it, I immediately went to, don't drink the water. Right. This is a don't drink the water thematic piece. But if you dig a little bit deeper and you listen and read, Daniel Danger, his inspiration, this was his take on Juana Maria, which was the lone woman of San Nicolas Island. Um, San Nicolas Island is actually a, um, a, a group of islands off the coast of California. It's the most remote of the Channel Islands. Um, and it is not far off. It's about 61 miles off the coast of California, uh, sort of due west of Irvine. And Juana Maria is the last surviving member of the Nicolino tribe. The Nicolino tribe is a native Californian tribe um, or, you know, uh, native islanders that um, has been speculated to have lived on this island for over 10,000 years. Which, again, you know, we just start thinking, like, how old ancient. and ancient yeah. uh, these, these peoples are. So back in, um, I believe it was around the 18, around 1850, there was a Spanish um, explorer, and he discovered this island of San Nicolas, and um, basically over the next, you know, about 100 years, um, the, the, the people of this island were forcibly removed um, from, from their, you know, native land and um, brought back to the mainland in California through this thing called the California Mission System. And again, it was just a way to uh, indoctrinate indigenous people and remove them from their land yeah. And take the land for our own. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, there's it's, <laughs> there's clearly dark places in yes. American history. Yep. This is one of them. Yep. Um, yep. You know, recently, just sidebar, but I've been watching um, Yellowstone, mm -hmm. and Erica's been watching with yeah. me, so she knows where I'm going with this. Yep. But we, we got into the television series yep. Yellowstone. I wasn't sure about it at first, and it kind of grabbed me by surprise and really fantastic work. Yep. Um, but they have these prequel series, and yep. there's one of them that is... 1923, yeah. I think it is. Yep. And in there, they give a very graphic, mm -hmm. and it really, it's a gut punch to see uh, the quote-unquote mission work that was happening yeah. um, back, you know, then, and, and the Through way the that people and the indigenous Americans, Native, Native Americans, Americans were mm -hmm. basically stolen. I yes. mean, they're, we know their land you know. was stolen. Well, their children this has were been stolen. talked about, but children, yeah. families, families broken were, up. I yep. mean, just really a horrible... Absolutely dark period in American yeah. history. Yep. This gets very specific mm -hmm. as to a story that frankly I had never heard before. Nope. Daniel's piece and his Instagram post yeah. around it. Um, to set it in time, uh, the the woman that Eric is talking yep. about in the research, Juana Maria. Daniel says Juana Maria, she was found in 1850 uh, was, yep. was the year here and she had been living alone on the island with her dogs yeah, for, for nearly 20, 20 years. years. Yes. That to me is just incredible yep. uh, speaking to the human spirit, right? And the fact yeah. that, you know, we live in these sort of prefab societies now right. 
neighborhoods to you know suburban communities or yeah. whatnot. But is that really the human spirit, or are we just kind of all you know put in this box? Now I'm getting esoteric, <laughs> and I'm not going to get on my my soapbox about right. it. But to look at this piece, yeah. there the hopefulness that I get from it, and I believe he says that this is representative of her ghost, mm -hmm. and so just a very simple note that I take from that is like you you've you've taken this person from the only home she's ever yeah. known, a place she survived fine for 20 plus years with just her dogs making a hut out of whale bones. I mean, yeah. really surviving. Yes. And they take her to quote unquote, you know, under the auspice of give her a better life or whatever. And when you take her from that place, she dies within yeah. weeks. Yes. And now Daniel Danger depicts where would her spirit reside? Where mm -hmm. would she go? Would she yeah. be with the mission and where they, no, she'd be at her oh. home that she was, you know, wrongfully taken from arguably. Um, and, and she'd be there with her dogs mm -hmm. and she would be at peace. And I do see peacefulness when yeah. I, when I see this poster, mm -hmm. um, the, the colors, the balance, the openness filled with, uh, the sky, the yeah. night sky, the shooting stars yes. and her there with, with her dogs. Yeah. And one of the most notable, I think, pieces of this is that she's standing there and she's got these open wings and um, when they found Juana Maria, they brought her back, she was um, said to have been wearing a cloak of feathers. Mm -hmm. And um, there's, a, there's actually, if you go, um, you can look it up. I think Daniel, on his final post, um, when he posted on his Instagram, the last page of his reel is actually the, um, uh, the piece that's in a museum, I believe, or a piece that's inspired by what she was wearing. Um, but the way that instead of it being these fallen like wings, these wings are open, they're, they're, they're light, almost angelic mm -hmm. to me. Yes. And, and I think that goes along the lines of her, her spirit mm -hmm. is not broken, that her spirit is now, she's now free, that these wings are not tucked in. Like we think of like an animal in danger, an animal that's scared, they tuck their tails. Yes. Um, instead her wings are open. And yep. they're they're free, and they're not bound by this world. They're not bound by other humans. They're not in captivity. That's right. That's right. That's and that's my personal like when I see that. Yeah, I think that's an excellent note. Yeah. This, the way that he's presented the wings or this feather cloak that she would mm -hmm. have worn, it's recognizable. We understand what yeah. it means in relation to the story. Yeah. Uh, that, that Daniel provided notes on and photographs on, mm -hmm. but it's not a direct lift of the cloak she wore. It's mm -hmm. an interpretation. Yeah. And I do look at them as, you know, angelic wings, or as you say, you know, a, an expression of freedom, yeah. an expression, expression of peacefulness. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you could say they're dove wings and the dove is a symbol of peace. I think there's a lot there that you could yeah. take from it. Yep. Um, I do want to say that Erica had said that she saw this piece and she immediately thought of Don't Drink the Water. Um, we titled the episode... Uh, and as you go, I will spread I my will wings. I will spread my wings. So this, again, ties to the, the wing imagery, but it's a line, it's a lyric from Dave Matthews' mm -hmm. band song, Don't Drink the Water. Yeah. When you go back historically and listen to Dave Matthews talk about writing that song, if you're not familiar, it's from the Crash album. Mm -hmm. I think it's number four on that album uh, Eric and <laughs> I, I just were... quizzed Mike last night on like the which which 
song comes in sequential order per album. That's right. So I, I, I would say you got like 98% correct. Yeah, there were a couple really of impressive, snagged actually. on. But, but <laughs> Don't Drink the Water uh, comes, I'm sorry, not Crash. It's on um, Before These, before these Crowded Streets. And it's number four on that record. Um, and it, it hit the airwaves when I was in college. And it was a different, it was a different sound. We'd heard some tunes before that. There was one called Leave Me Praying. That is my by the way, favorite live tracks was from that Shoreline Amphitheater, nineteen ninety seven. It's it's California. where in California he plays "Leave Me Praying" and it is like, yeah. And, and anyway, this song had played mm-hmm. you know here and there yep. on bootleg tapes. But he that had were around. drilled it in on the lyrics. Yes, when they when they put it on before these crowds. Yeah, the, the the lyrics were clearly honed. Yep. Um, and I've seen interview. I think there's the most recent one. Where Dave Matthews sits down with GQ magazine oh, and does yeah. it's on YouTube. Yep. Y'all can find it, um, or we can put a link somehow. But yep. it's it's an interview with Dave Matthews where he goes back through some of his most iconic songs, mm-hmm. and he talks about how "Don't Drink the Water" is one of his favorites because he was trying to figure out how to tell this story about this dark period in American history mm-hmm. where you know Spanish conquistadors or whatnot come to a place that is not theirs. Right. And disturb an entire culture that's been here for thousands of years and then engage in genocide and rob them of of their land and their heritage and their family and all these horrific things. And Dave Matthews talks about it only made sense to him to write the standpoint, uh, write the song from the standpoint of the villain. Mm -hmm. He was not going to write the song from um, the standpoint of the, the victim, right? And tell the story that way. Instead, he went a different route and said, I'm just going to go and be as cruel as I can musically and lyrically um, and write this song, Don't Drink the Water, and talk about how um, I'm here to take your land, right. basically. Right? Um, just don't don't miss your boat. Your horse is leaving. Get out of here. Right. This land is, is mine right. now. I'm yep. taking it. Um, and as you go, I'll spread my wings. Mm-hmm. I will... You know, move you out of here and I'll call this whole thing home and spread my wings. The American Eagle being emblematic, you know, the bald eagle emblematic of America. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot there to unpack from the lyrics of Dave Matthews. But just to recap and tie it to this piece, (laughs) I too saw Don't Drink the Water imagery when I first saw this piece. Um, And I felt like... Uh, I had a moment where I was like, maybe it's maybe it's got a little element of angel from uh, mm-hmm. from or Dave, loving wings. you know, or loving wings. But then as you start to unpack yeah. it with the dog coyotes there, almost, and the history, and the history, yep. and it it makes total sense that this is, mm-hmm. I think, at least aligns with Don't Drink the Water, if not somehow uh, inspired by. And it. would love to Daniel, you know, ask that question someday. Yeah, if you're listening, you know, if you're Daniel listening. Danger, uh, we're big fans. <laughs> And yeah, if we have that opportunity, we'd love to dive. Well, it was nice, into. you know, when we talked to Brandon Trammell um, on the interview with him a couple episodes back. You know, I asked the question like, "What do you listen to when you're creating the the piece for the for the band?" And yeah. he's like, "Well, I'm usually listening to the band." Right. And you know, he told us on that episode that for that particular piece, which was entitled "Busted Stuff," he was listening to "Busted Stuff." And so, you know, I'm curious if uh, Daniel was listening to to "Don't Drink the Water." Uh, at some point in the creative process. But, you know, what we see stylistically, I think is what Mike was saying earlier, you know, this is a this is a very unique perspective, but it's still a very stylistically Daniel Danger piece with the fine line details, 
um, the, the, the pen and ink level work. And what's really neat is, you know, when I started digging into this, you know, we talked about the history of Juana Maria. She was living on an island. They think she lived in a cave um, or a hut made out of whale bones and feathers. And if you look at the bottom of this piece, you can see there are feathers and it what looks like giant bones, could potentially be giant bones. Um, and obviously it's on a coastline and it just, you know, has these you know, unique pieces. They're also the other cool thing and I love about Daniel Danger's work is he does put a border uh, around the piece as a whole. This one kind of has a double or a triple line border with mm -hmm. these zigzag corner pieces along the bottom right and top left corner. But the top right and the top and the bottom left corner are a little more just standard squared, squared off. off. Yeah. Um, and you know, but this, we talk about symmetry and balance. And while this piece is heavy on the bottom, all the line work, the striations, the details in the coastline, once you kind of crest, so to speak, the, the, the wings, um, the, the, it becomes so light because for our piece that we're looking at this moonlight piece, it becomes the moon rising over the ocean and shooting stars and galaxies. Like there is no natural, unnatural light that is coming from the world on this perspective from Juana Maria. That's right. And you get that feeling of calmness or peacefulness mm -hmm. or hopefulness, mm -hmm. I think from the moonlight, right? Yeah. That's where I get it. And the shooting stars yeah. at the top, but the way that he, you know, portrays the moon kind of creeping mm -hmm. through these clouds and yeah. you get some of that light balance that comes yep. off the reflection of the water that makes this really realistic. It, you know, it's, it's a, yeah. it's like looking at a photograph almost, mm -hmm. um, in a way, and I don't want to draw a specific comparison. It's just my own feeling. Like spent a lot of years watching Bob Ross paint on, on, you know, PBS mm -hmm. or whatnot. And the way that he would take canvas and just apply paint strategically yeah. and then all of a sudden have this realistic landscape appear before your eyes. Mm -hmm. I get a little bit of that from what Daniel's done yeah. here. And this is what I meant when I said, I really loved seeing Daniel go outside of the, yep. the last few that he's done for the Dave Matthews band, literally going outside, not just looking at like, you know, a, a building that's falling apart or a train that's, mm -hmm. you know, amazingly mangled. I mean, yeah. great work and incredible detail. And we've yeah. all loved those. But this is a different feel, a different piece than I've seen in anything done mm -hmm. for the Dave Matthews Band yeah. and, and anything that I've personally seen from Daniel's work. So just, I mean, huge props. I love this piece to death. I'm so grateful we were able to get a hold of the show edition. Mm -hmm. And I also want to say I'm specifically grateful that the Moonlight was the was the show edition because that's the one that that's the one I usually like the variant. I don't uh -huh. know if it's the Chase or what, the, yeah. the foil or whatnot. And while the Sunrise variant is cool also... I saw those red colors, yeah. the reds and purples, last year with the gorge. Mm -hmm. So it was really nice to have this flip to a totally blue piece. Yeah. And another note I just want to make quickly about Daniel is that he lists himself not just as an artist, but also as a printmaker. Yeah. And if you follow him on social media, he just recently said they got a, space. a new space for printmaking. Yep. They immediately outgrew it. Yeah. And they're now moving into a, a space above or right next larger, door. Larger, yeah. Larger. So... Well, one of the things Eric and I have learned and, you know, talking with y'all and we, we learned a little bit about this talking to Brandon Trammell mm -hmm. on a couple episodes yep. ago. Um, check out that episode if you haven't. I think it was episode 17. Yes. 
um, where the texture that came through from Brandon's piece in yeah. Wilmington mm -hmm. night two was something we were impressed by. We asked him about yeah. that. He had said he's impressed by that, but that was really a decision by the printer. Correct. And so there's a long way of saying that part of the art of poster making is in the hands of the artist who is drawing the piece mm -hmm. and, the and coloring, yep. the creator. And, then the, and then the other piece of it is the printmaker and the choices that they make somewhere in that process. Yeah. The fact that Daniel is both drawing or illustrating or creating the piece and then printing it to me is like, well, he's end to end. It's ultimate creative control. Right. And so, and also I think, you know, I've uh, followed Daniel for a while now and watch his stories. I, I would call him probably a um, consummate uh, perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And so again, in, in order to be able to create the art that's in your brain that then you've put down on pen and paper or then again in a digital format to then put it back on paper. Right. It must require a significant amount of trust in the printmaker that, you know, we've, we've heard and I've seen, oh, this had a printmaking snafu or the ink wasn't right on this one or, you know, something happened and it didn't result in the direct correlation between the artist's sort of vision, vision yeah. and then what, what comes to life. But then on the flip side, it could also be, like Brandon said, enhanced. Correct. Like I had no idea that that was going to be a, a, a choice that the, the screen maker had made and it was ultimately the best thing because collectively... We all saw, I, I saw that. I remember I got in the car, I ran out because we saw it drop and I was like, oh my gosh. And I remember going and running to the merch booth and then I'm like, I didn't have time to roll it up. Right. So I, I jumped into Mike's car and I had it open and I was like, he's like, is this the regular? And I said, yeah, this is the regular. And he's like, wow. So anyways, um, but you know, knowing that, that artists have that end to end control, um, which, I, you know, I, I know there's probably a handful of artists who do that. But more often than not, I would say that more probably have to partner up with a, a, with printing, a printing company studio. or a studio. Yeah. And we see that with like F4D Studios. Right. We see well, even that Chuck with Sperry. Chuck Sperry and Hangar 18. Mm -hmm. um, and these are like very <laughs> poster geeky things that now we know that I had zero idea of before. Yeah, and I, I've seen test prints or error mm -hmm. prints as a, an element of gig poster collecting. Um, I haven't, I haven't gotten one yet, but, um, for me, that's a, that's a, a piece that needs to speak to you in a certain way. Yeah. As I was um, sitting here, I just took the little flashlight. Um, we, at first I thought it framed out the edition number. We have 216. Okay. 216, 216. out of 1085. It is, it is written almost like with like a metallic pencil in our bottom left corner. Yes. Yeah, and I just noticed it. So if you um, have this piece, it's yep. tough to find, but check the bottom left. Yeah. And the other thing about this piece has been really fun for us is we got a black light flashlight. And you guys, if you follow us on uh, Instagram, I sometimes will videotape uh, at night um, what the black light does to these pieces. And this one particularly changes the, the way the moon glows and these pops of the ocean spray from when we're looking at it in the daytime, it's white. When it's nighttime and you put the black light on it, it is like 
golden moon glow. It really illuminates. It illuminates yeah. it in a way. And, and then the detail work from all of the um, kind of things that are down here on the ocean or the coastal coastline. Yeah, where she's standing. Where she's standing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, the details. And then the shooting stars. Yes. Wow. And this is something, I think I saw someone mention it in a poster forum or poster group on mm -hmm. Facebook about, oh, you should check out that poster under a black light. Yeah. And that led me to say, well, we don't have a black light. This isn't <laughs> college anymore. And then, you know, I started checking the, the interwebs and you sure. can get a really affordable like UV flashlight. Yep. So if you haven't done that with your posters, check it out because, you know, for Eric and I, it was like, how can we take a deeper dive into pieces? Yeah. I mean, we can look at them under regular light and we can look and look at that variant change right. under UV light. And it really does something. It's an interesting, um, the way that that light brings out inks in different pieces, mm -hmm. particularly with some of your foil variants, mm -hmm. it'll change things. James Flame's work in particular oh, yeah. drastically changed. Miles saying drastically mm -hmm. changes under under UV or black light. Yeah. Um, this one that Daniel did, you put it under UV or black light, and just like Eric said, yeah, particularly those details with the shooting stars and yeah. the moon, it just it looks like it is lit up with mm -hmm. fire. I mean, it is amazingly yeah. um, illuminated. But what, one of the things I wanted to say, as Erica was talking about the sort of end to end control. It just makes me wonder, and this would probably be a question for Daniel if we ever were lucky enough to talk to him, um, would be, does that impact you know, your creative process on the front end, knowing what mm -hmm. has to go into it mm -hmm. on the back end for printing? Yeah. You know, does this almost become a little bit like of a tug of war wrestling match? Like, I have this idea, mm -hmm. this vision I want to sketch out, mm -hmm. and as you start working on it and developing the detail, do you get to a point where you say, oh crap, I've got to go back and change this because that's not going to work when I get to when printing get style or does it give you a little yeah. bit more of like a, I know what I have to do on the front end so that it does work on the printer on the back end and it allows you to, to sort of make an image mm -hmm. like that moon that then yeah. pops that way hmm. um, or, or something of yeah. that, that kind. It's just an interesting uh, concept to me that there is this sort of end to end process. Another of, thing that just popped to my brain and this would be a great conversation to have maybe with a, a, a screen printer or somebody who has experience in screen printing. Um, you know, we've seen tremendous jumps in technology, printing yes. abilities and that sort of thing, 3D printers and doing all these things at home. When I watch the artists who do like Daniel, Daniel Danger, who have control over the printmaking, um, Methane Studios as well, they are traditional screen printers mm -hmm. and it's really cool watching the process as they layer, especially if it's multi ink layers mm -hmm. to watch first go second go third go, however many passes they need to make for us then to be able to look at this piece at the end after we pick it up from, you know, the show or artist edition or whatnot, like the actual like level of work that goes into creating the output for this type of art. Yeah. And for anyone, you know, who's out there who might get a little flack from people who don't understand poster collecting. I mean, these are, these are pieces of art. They are limited, numbered, right. signed. Um, and and they've, they've had real hands on labor to create. Absolutely. Them. These right. aren't just like push a button and print out of a photocopier. That's right. There's a thousand eighty five of these things that were made mm -hmm. for the show. Yeah. That means, 
at least 1,085 times they went through this yes. process For this to manufacture yep. this particular print. Right. And then if there's, like you said, we've got the Moonrise, then there's the Sunrise version. Yeah, and I think that was limited to somewhere around 100 and some odd. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be 1, 125. I didn't get the exact count. Yeah. But that was one that caused a little bit of discussion mm -hmm. because it, it appears very different. Yes. When I look at the Moonlight yeah. piece, the, um, the, the Twilight, is that what it was called? Or was it called Moonlight? It's called Moonlight. Moonlight. Um, I see, again, the shooting stars, mm -hmm. the moon kind of peeking above the clouds, and then the coastline across the water yeah. from where she is standing. It looks to me like a mist and waves breaking. Yeah, the that way that the moon glows off of these ocean mists. Uh, maybe, maybe it's rocks that they're, you know, kind of... That's right. But when, up against. But when you look at the sunrise, sunrise variant, variant, it's very more reds and oranges, and it looks more like a daytime or or dusk or mm. well, so, I guess sunrise. sunrise, not dusk, right? Yeah, sunrise. It looks like fire. It, that's the short way to get to yeah. it. Is that coastline? Yep. In across the body, instead yeah. of looking like waves crashing. Now mm -hmm. that caused me to come back to the twilight piece, and I almost said, "Well, that could be like." Blue fire, like from the ice dragon in Game of Thrones, too. <laughs> but I still see yeah. mainly the waves breaking. However, when this dropped, this is August yeah. 26th, yeah. and that, that sunrise variant comes out, and mm -hmm. then people see it, and it looks like a coastline on fire. Mm -hmm. um, this aligned with what was going on in, in Maui, Maui, Hawaii. Yeah. And it was a little spooky. Mm -hmm. You know, people were talking about it and said this kind of is eerie that there's this piece that aligns with this right. show. And right around that time, yeah. um, well, we're looking at the fires in Maui. Yeah, and, and oftentimes, uh, you know, I talk about this, we, we interpret art through the lens of our experiences. And at that time, I mean, collectively, at least, you know, the, the world, I don't know, you know, across the, the, the globe, but here in the U.S., I mean, we were captivated by what was happening Yeah, within, well, was... within one of our own United States um, and, and just witnessing a horrific situation that felt like, you know, the, the expression, you can't take your eyes away from a train wreck. And it was like, we all felt incredibly helpless and, and how could this have happened? And, you know, and if you, if you're not sure what we're talking about there, yeah. you should, I mean, you might not be, but it was August 8th. There yeah. were these horrific wildfires Fires. in Lahaina yeah. on the Island of Maui in Hawaii. Yeah. And the Lahaina is a historic, a historic town historic there. Town. I mean, they had a historic, you know, multi-hundred-year-old courthouse and a uh, huge banyan tree. That, banyan tree. Um, and just all this damage, people losing homes, businesses, lives. Uh, and I'm not saying that Daniel had any mm -mm. preconceived notion of that or anything. It's just that it was interesting as we, that this as poster we drops, sure. and you, you can, know, 20 days later. And you can look, you know, around and look at things in our art world. And, and then go back and say, boy, that reminds me of this. Or I have, it's it somehow, you know, reminiscent of that experience or whatnot. I think often I look at a lot of um, the James Flames works that I see. His, his poster specific, yes, but some of his just regular art prints, um, for me, tie me into memories. And I think that's what I love most about art, whether they're good or bad memories mm -hmm. or good or bad experiences we we utilize art to memorialize things and with with this particular one daniel danger took juana maria 
of the lone woman of San Nicolas Island that I guarantee you none of us have learned about in history. I have never heard about never her heard before about her. this piece. And so now there, bringing, again, bringing light, bringing, yep. bringing knowledge to the modern world to say, again, we still, history always, I think personally, reminds us of ways to not repeat things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's important for us to learn proper history um, regardless of how it makes us feel currently. Um, it, it needs to make us go, ooh, that was not good. We should not repeat that. And how can we prevent things like this from happening in our future? My personal perspective. But taking a historical piece, a, a you know, not very well known mm-hmm. to us in the modern times. Now, this was also, a book was also written uh, back in the 1960s by Scott O'Dell that was inspired by Juana Maria. It's called The Island of the Blue Dolphins. Um, it was kind of a fictional children's book, mm. but it was inspired by Juana Maria. Interesting. Um, which then I believe was also made into a movie. Oh. Um, so, you know, but this is in the 1960s. We're talking 2023. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you how long ago that was um, because it was a long time ago. It was 63 ago. years ago. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, we don't, I think we live in a world where sometimes, you know, we've got these little blinders on and we want to kind of stay in our, our little world. And, and by learning about a piece like this, by diving deep for me and then walking through it with Mike, yeah. you know, for us to go, oh, well, now we know something a little bit more about our history. Mm-hmm. We know something a little bit more about this unbelievable person, this woman who, who lived for 20 years by yeah. herself. With her dogs. With her dogs, that's and true. I want to say that because, I mean, it gets heavy. And Daniel's pieces are heavy. And they should be treated seriously because it's serious mm-hmm. work. But on the lighter side... We are sitting here with our dogs. We're sitting here with our dogs. And um, and maybe this gets a little heavy too. But I've, um, I've only had two other dogs in my life. Other than the two that we have now. Uh, obviously, they're no longer here. They passed away. My dog is from childhood. Mm-hmm. With my family. It was a little poodle. And then Erica and I, our first... Um, mm-hmm. anniversary gift to each other yeah. was our first puppy um, who who passed away a few years ago and that led to the two dogs that we have now <laughs> in sort of a George Carlin way of life as a series of dogs but um, anyway I digress my point here is that when you go through grieving the loss of a pet there's often discussion and I've seen this many times about the rainbow bridge and it's this concept that when when you pass mm-hmm. right and when when you, yeah. you leave this earth yep. Your soul will be reunited with your pets. Right. And again, they draw this imagery with the rainbow bridge and maybe it is a rainbow bridge or maybe it's just they find you where you are, you find them or whatnot. But here we have this this yeah. ghost of this incredible person, yeah. um, Juana Maria, who, who survived against yeah. all, all odds. odds that we would currently mm-hmm. think of in, in modern times. Mm-hmm. But back then, just, just made a life out of yeah. where she was and her home. And she was there with her dogs. And now, as Daniel tells us in his recap of the piece on his Instagram post, yeah. check out, again, Tiny Media Empire mm-hmm. on socials, um, that this is representative of her ghost. Yeah. And so I've got to only assume that these three animals mm-hmm. or dogs yeah. are, are the ghosts of her dogs and they've been reunited. Aww. So again, in this sort of heavy piece, look for the hope. And I, I am a believer. What I take from Daniel Danger's pieces. In each one of them, whether whether he intends it or not, 
Um, I don't know, but what I take from them is there, there are heavy elements, but I'm always looking for the hopefulness yeah. and I've been able to find it each time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, um, yeah. the, it's just, I love it. I really do. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. And, and, you know, we love interacting with the people who are following us on the podcast there's um, Q&As, there's areas uh, within Spotify specifically where you can um, leave us a comment. I would love to hear you know, your thoughts on this piece. Um, you know, did you know much about the history of Juan Maria prior to Daniel Danger sharing this with his you know, social media following? Um, it's just something that, and I love that you said that there's, there is hope. And I think yeah. that that's one of the things I love most about Dave's music Dave Matthews mm-hmm. Band music is yes there can be heavy sad elements to it but there's always hope there's always love there's always light at the end um and so for us to witness pieces in our home that we walk by and we can get little tiny just doses of hope mm-hmm. um through art that's that's something that I I love the most about it so um to wrap up yeah Daniel Danger, awesome work as always. Always. If you haven't checked him out, please check him out yep. on Instagram and, and the socials yes. and his website. And we'll tag and share. Where he, has art, him. he has artist drops from time to time. Yes. Support his work. It's Absolutely. fantastic. And I also just want to make a quick comment that he is um, really trying to level the playing field for us, the poster collectors. Absolutely. Away from some of the, I would say. Scalpers and the scammers and the bots and the. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not talking about the one or two people nope. that a concert that buy a couple extras and no, sell no. it to friends or whatnot. I'm talking about the bots that are out there buying hundreds, hundreds. of copies up and they're keeping them yeah. from getting into the hands of collectors. Daniel Danger is aware, like I think most artists yeah. are, and he has made it a, per, a, seeming, <laughs> a seemingly personal mission Love to it. shut down the bots and the scammers. Yep. His Insta stories have been fantastically Fantastic. hilarious. We're big fans. Um, again, we we collect. That's our mission, and yep. to talk about them and share them with you—that's yep. what drives us. Uh, but and I do understand there are people out there that sell these things to help fund yeah. their concert going experience. No judgment, no objection. But when it gets to the level of basically like a sneaker bot on the internet buying up a hundred copies right. to keep them out of the hands nope. from people, and then immediately putting them on eBay, repost them on eBay for thousands of dollars no, that's a line in the sand and yeah. i think nobody really loves that and i think daniel danger truly hates it with a passion mm-hmm. and he's making it is uh, making, making a personal a mission, mission. i love it what he's doing is he's just kicking out these orders he's like up oh, declined yep. like i've spotted it yeah. he's got human eyes on it and yeah. he's like nope this is a scammer and this is why and he's got a whole spreadsheet and oh, shows awesome. you and it's <laughs> fantastic entertainment but yeah. it's also a service to the community beyond what he has to do. He For could sure. just be taking payment and not caring, yeah. but no, he's trying to get it to the hands of the people who mm-hmm. really truly value it and want it most. Yeah. And for that, I got to say kudos, Daniel Danger. It's, it's a cool mission. You're on the man. You got it. Um, thank you so much for this piece, for all you do. Yes. Thank you to our listeners for joining us and supporting us and sharing, liking, shouting yep. us out. Please continue to do so. It helps the, the podcast grow. It mm-hmm. helps Eric and I be able to, be fueled with passion to yep. keep delivering content. Yes. Anything else you had right now? No, this is a piece that is just going to be really um, uh, special in our collection. And uh, 
like I said, you know, you, if you're if you're interacting on social media, it's me 90% of the time. <laughs> uh, or I'm showing Mike being like, hey, look at this. Uh, but, uh, you know, send me a comment. Send us, send us notes. Um, happy to interact and engage with you guys through DMs and, and Facebook and social media and Instagram. Um, and uh, we look forward to sharing a couple more episodes this season with y'all. Um, we've got some really fun things up our sleeves and, uh, I'm, I know for me, I'm, I'm just having a blast doing this with you, Mike. Yeah, me too. It's a, it's a blast and we will talk with y'all next time. All right. Have a Thanks. good one.